Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Hey, mamacita, welcome to the Mamas con Ganas podcast. That's mamas as in, hey, mama, y te traemos episodios para que tengas las ganas de motivarte, surgir y triunfar. Don't be a mama con drama. Let's be mamas con ganas. I'm your host, Valentina Izara. On this episode of the Mamas con Ganas podcast, I'm interviewing Jani Acosta, founder of House of Jewels Miami. Bienvenida, Jani. Welcome to our podcast. Hi, so happy to be here. So Jani's story is very interesting. It's for, you know, for all those entrepreneurial mamacitas, women who are wondering, you know, what the entrepreneurial journey is like. Jani has a very, very interesting story. But before we start, Yanni, tell us a little bit about where you're from, where you grew up, and a little bit about your background. So I was born and raised here in Miami, Florida. My parents are from Cuba. Um, I'm a first-generation college student. Um, growing up, you know, the, everyone instills on you, go to school, study. So I did just that. Right when we talk about, like, a little bit about our my entrepreneurship journey and how I got started, I'll tell you a little bit more about my experience, you know, after school, after college. Um, and then how I got into entrepreneurship, but um, I'm 20 years old as a hobby. You know, I love yoga. I love uh, self-improvement and designing and making jewelry. Yes. And Jenny has, the reason I brought Jenny on, on the podcast is because she didn't start. So she has, her business is a fashion jewelry making business, correct? Correct. So, but she didn't start that way. And it just goes to show how, the journey in life sometimes can deviate and go somewhere else. So tell everybody what you studied. Where'd you go to school? I went to school at FIU. I got a bachelor in business specializing in finance. Um, like I said, I was a first generation college student throughout college. I had no idea, you know, I had nobody to guide me, you know, in terms of what should I study? How is college going to be like? What should I do throughout my college career, if you will? Um, in order to land an amazing job out of out of college. So I was kind of on my own taking that path. And luckily, I've always been a very like, you know, if I don't know the answer, I'll bug, you know, an advisor, friends or something, somebody that's doing what I'm doing in order to get the answers that I need. So um, luckily, throughout my college journey, I was an intern for this program that they're a nonprofit organization that they specialize in helping minority students land a job in corporate America. So my junior year, um, thank, I think thankful to that, I was able to land the jobs that I did and get the experience that I got. Um, because through them, they trained me, they mentored me, they taught me everything that I needed to, to know in order to kill it in my internships throughout college. That way I can have a secure position right when I graduate, right? So 
um, graduating college the same night of my graduation when I graduated with, with a degree in finance. I was on a flight moving to California to work for my first uh, Fortune 100 company, which was Johnson & Johnson, um, as part of one of their, you know, in their finance rotational program. So at that moment in my life, you know, my dreams were coming true because what better, I mean, fortunately, you know, there's a lot of people that graduate and don't have a job waiting for them. When they graduate, they start looking afterwards. Like that same night, I was, I was already on my way to go move across the country so that I can start my job, you know, my first job in my career the following week. So, um, that's amazing. Would, and finance is one of those jobs too. I, I do think that there's a lot of opportunities in that world, but those programs that you're talking about, they're quite difficult to get into. You know, they do a lot of interviews on campuses. So the fact that you got selected speaks really highly of you. Yeah. So like, to be quite honest with you, I was competing with like, I think like over 30 students across the nation apply and only 3000 get picked. I mean, I was competing with people from Harvard, from NYU, from all these elite colleges. And there was only eight students from FIU that made it into that program. And I was one of them. So I, I studied and I stayed up all night. I remember I would tell my mom, mom, ask me this interview question. That way I had my answers prepared because I wanted that, um, that internship and that training program so bad, I knew that it was going to change my life and it did. So, so I'm very, very grateful for them. So when you, when you saw yourself graduating from college, like you said, you're a first generation student, you know, from your family, your Cuban descent, right? Yeah. How did you like see yourself in the future projected into the future? Did you see yourself long-term in the finance world? So I did at that point of my life, I did. I thought, you know, it's like, Growing up, I was, my mom is, was a single mom of three. She struggled. She worked an office job, um, making, I don't know, probably $15 an hour, you know, you know, Miami living plus three kids is very expensive. So, um, she always told me one thing that she always regretted was not studying and not getting a degree so that she can, you know, be in a better financial position to provide for us. So, I always had that in my, you know, fed to me every single day, like you should study, you should study. And I knew growing up in the circumstances that I grew up in, I knew I never wanted that for myself or for my future kids. So I was like, okay, I'm studying so that this cycle doesn't repeat itself, right? So at that point in my life, I thought it was, you know, a dream. It was something that I had always wanted. I broke, you know, the chain of of, you know, like that general generational chain of not studying. And, you know, I was the first one with a degree in my family. And a lot of my friends and family looked up to me and they would ask me for advice on how, you know, I was able to do all of that at such a young age. And, and I, it was in a way a little bit terrifying because I, I had no, I, I didn't know what to expect. No one in my family or in my close circle of friends had ever done what I did, especially you know, growing up in a Latin family, you know that you grow up tight, you know, they want you to live with them till you're 40 and like have your, have your, you know, your kids there with grandma and grandpa. So the fact that I moved across the country at just 21 years old, um, no friends, no family over there just to go follow a dream and, 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 and start my career was very, um, I would say risky and scary, but in a way very fulfilling that I was able to, I was given that opportunity to do so. so. Yes, absolutely. And you know, I think that a lot of people listening, mostly if they're immigrants in this country and Latinos that come here, I think that your story can resonate with them because a lot of 
immigrants come here precisely with that dream to give their children an opportunity to perhaps go to college when they didn't. So right. that, that, you know, that generation that grows up in the United States and then says, okay, now I'm going to college and I'm going to fulfill these dreams that my parents have for me. That's a lot of, I can imagine that can be quite a, a, a burden on your shoulders, right? Because you sort of feel that you have a responsibility on you. Right. No, for sure. You, you feel like you don't want to let them down in a way they risk so much to give you everything that they gave you um, for you now to not do anything. You not, not that you're not going to do anything with your life, but not follow, you know, the advice and uh, the suggestions that they have for you. So it was a very um, big responsibility. And then I would say fast forward two years into my career, I was like, I started feeling like unfulfilled, not satisfied, you know, it's nothing, I would say it's nothing against um, my teams or who I was working for at that time. Like, I just felt like, wow, do I really see myself, you know, I would close my eyes and look into my future. And, and, and I would say, do I really see myself at 40 years old or 30 years old, like having to clock in at nine o'clock, I only have an hour break. I, God forbid I leave before 6 p.m. or say no to a project that they want to give me. Like, you kind of have to do whatever they ask you to do in order to grow. And, and if you have to work till 10 o'clock at night, sometimes I remember I would work sometimes till one in the morning. Like, and I was just like, wow, do I really want this to be my future? And it doesn't matter how many hours you put into those jobs. Your salary is always the same. So I kind of felt very lost after two years of working that life. I was like, well, this is something that I've always dreamed of. I finally got it. And, and, and now that I have it, like, is this what I really want? Like, do I truly feel happy doing this? Or am I just doing it to make my parents happy? Or because I don't want to disappoint people who have always looked up to me. So I was very, very lost, I would say, for a good, like, two years. Um, kind of soul searching, like, okay, if this is not what I want to do, then what is it that I do want to do? Right. So I how did say, you discover, how did you discover the jewelry business? How did that come into play? So to be honest with you, it was a total, like, it wasn't even planned. Like I never thought that I would be so successful or have my own jewelry business. Um, when I started soul searching after those two years, I was like, okay, maybe I should get my real estate license. Maybe I should do restoration. So I was kind of in trial and error phase and I just couldn't find the thing that clicked, right? Where I felt happy. I wasn't just doing it for the money or for like, you know, status or, you know, what other people, their experience was. So I was like, you know what, until I figure out what it is that I'm going to do, um, I would bead for fun. And I, I said, okay, let me just sell these beads, like just for fun as a little side job. Um, stay busy until I figure out what it is that I do want to do with my life. Right. So, so I had moved. Like, did you take classes or something, or you just knew how to bead and how to make stuff? No, I just knew how to bead and make stuff. And, you know, a lot of things that I didn't know, I would you know, either ask around or search on Google. There's a bunch of stuff that you can, you know, free lessons and, and tutorials that you can find on YouTube and Google. So if I was like, I don't know how to do the knot properly, then I would, you know, go to YouTube and find the proper way to, of doing it. So um, I, it's not something that I really took serious at that time. I would just make it for me. And I was like, well, let me, I, since I got a lot of compliments from my friends, I was like, let me see if I can just sell them until I figure out what it is that I want to do with my life. Right. And, and 
what I'm, you know, it, it's crazy because I never knew that my true purpose in life was in front of me the whole time with the jewelry business, right? Like, as soon as I started selling them, um, very informally on Instagram, like it, it took off way, like, like crazy fast. And I was like, wow, this is insane that, you know, people trust me. And I didn't even have a proper website or anything to collect payment. And people would send me their, their payment information through Instagram DM. And I was like, wow, like, I don't think I would feel comfortable, you know, just giving my payment information, but it's insane how other people, you know, support small businesses in that way. So it, it just from one day to the next, it started growing. Um, and, and it was at the beginning of a pandemic, right? We started in March of this year is when we officially launched. And, and I was like, you know, I kind of just rolled the wave. I was like, if it's selling, I'm going to keep doing it. Like, how awesome is it that I can make things that I love and do what I love and then make a living or at that time, uh, you know, let it be my side hustle and make extra money um, while doing it. So now, you know, I know I remember you had told me that there was a moment in time where you were juggling both jobs at the same time. You were doing your day job and then you would stop that like I don't know what time you said, like 6 p.m. And then you would work on the jewelry business until I don't know what hours of the night. There was a moment where you were sort of juggling both things at the same time, correct? Correct. So um, we started like around in March, right? And I had, I still had my nine to five. I would work from nine to 6 p.m., then get home and work and bead and make jewelry, different type of jewelries um, until like from like 7 p.m. that I would get home until like one in the morning every single day for like probably for a good three to four months. And to be quite honest with you, like I was like, I need to make this sacrifice right now because I need to prove to myself that this works, right? And maybe this is my my passion, my my purpose in life, what I'm supposed to be doing, you know, something that I love and also, you know, in a way making money off of it and sharing, you know, my pieces with other people. So I was like, I can't, you know, I'm, I'm making almost a six-figure salary I can't you know I have bills to pay I you know I, I don't have you know mom and dad that can support me while I'm you know starting this off like I still had my own personal you know liabilities so I was like I need to prove my, to myself that this works and the only way that I'm going to prove to myself is by working my nine to five because I still needed to pay for my base bills and also to invest in this business and then, you know, work and fulfill orders and come out with new pieces every day from 7 to 1 a.m. So I was doing that for like a good four months. And during those four months, I was able to prove to myself like, okay, this does work. I'm making more money doing this part time than in my day job, which was mind blowing for me at the beginning. And, you know, is this really, you know, so imagine if I'm doing this part time and I'm making, you know, X amount of money. Imagine if I do it full time. That was one of, you know, the main drivers in terms of, you know, should I take this step? And also I was already, you know, doing that working from nine to 1 a.m. every single day isn't sustainable, right? I didn't have time for the gym. I didn't have time for my boyfriend. I didn't have time for my family. I didn't have time for anything. So I was wow. like, I need to make a decision now. Like, you know, do I can't do this nine to one every single day. If not, I'm going to lose everything, right? You yes. know, what's, what's the point of having you know, everything in terms like financial and business wise, when you come home and your personal life, your personal life is a wreck. So um, after month four, that's when I decided, you know, okay, I need to make a decision. And like, like I had mentioned when we previously spoke, like, that's when everything kind of goes through your head, like, wow, is this the right decision? Like, 
you know, should I do it? Should I not? I have a lot to lose, um, you know, security and benefits, paycheck every two weeks or, you know, take the chance now. So um, it was definitely a rough decision to make. But now looking fast forward, we're nine months old now, fast forward um, and five months later. And it's the best decision I ever made in my life. Um, I wish amazing. I would have done it sooner. I wish I would have done it sooner. Before I forget, I wanted to let you know that I have a free gift for all my listeners. It's a free abundance guided meditation that I created especially for you. It's the meditation that I use on a daily basis. It will help you bust through money blocks to realign with receiving what you want. There's a lot of power in giving yourself positive suggestions to develop an abundance mindset. And also there's power in visualizing a compelling future so that you can create new momentum in the direction that you wish your life to go. So if you want to attract more abundance in your life, go to mamasconganas.com forward slash abundant. I wish I would have done it sooner. So. But you know, I guess everything happens in God's timing. And the interesting thing, because what people don't realize is that you made that decision to let go of your job, if I'm not mistaken, Yeah. precisely in the moment where people are losing their jobs left and right due to COVID, right? Like it was right. literally when COVID started shutting everything down that you decided to take that risk. So, you know, the people around you, they thought it was a really risky move, right? Oh, for sure. My parents thought I was crazy. My friends thought I was crazy, especially even my coworkers thought I was crazy. They're like, how are you going to quit mid pandemic? And then you're not going to have insurance. And what if something happens? And they start feeding all these negative thoughts in your head. And I was just like, I can't let them get to me. You know, I yes, I was very blessed that throughout the pandemic, I had an amazing job. I was working for Clorox. And Mind you, Clorox sales have been booming. Even you and I, as a consumer, you go to yes. any store and you can't, you couldn't find Clorox anywhere, anywhere because the sales were through the roof. They were even giving bonuses, you know, for their employees at that time. So like, I was very lucky that I had a very good job throughout the pandemic, but I didn't care about that. I like, I, I was willing to risk all of that in order to follow my dreams and make this happen despite um not having encouragement from the close people around me right they they always you know like I mentioned said negative things like how are you going to leave a secure paycheck you're almost getting a six-figure salary people dream to have your job and and I'm like okay people dream to have what I have but I'm personally not fulfilled I I'm not happy waking up every day and having to drive to work and be there by nine o'clock and then sitting there and doing all the same checklist every single day like I I don't want that to be my life and if I don't make the decision or take this chance now then when will it happen the sooner that I take this chance is the sooner I can start living the life that I've always dreamed of yes so, um, now hindsight is always 2020 like this year yeah. 2020 right yeah. but you know in that moment there were some things that you were sacrificing right in the beginning like tell us a little bit of the things that at that moment you were like okay because it wasn't like you know now you see your business nine months forward things are going great you know you just had your your black friday sales and your cyber monday sales so it's awesome but at that moment i remember you that you told me that there were specific things that you were like wow this is going to be hard to sacrifice tell us a little bit about that because i feel like sometimes people think that everything comes without sacrifice but a lot of times right. good things comes to those who wait and then you see your fruit your the labor of your fruits a little bit later 
Oh yeah, I had to sacrifice a lot. I was living um on an apartment at the beach on on Miami Beach. I love the beach. I love waking up and having a walkable neighborhood. I would go downstairs, ride bike, go to the beach, do yoga, whatever it is. Like I love my apartment at the beach. Um, I had to, you know, once my lease was up, I turned it in and I moved back home with my family in order to save. I was like, all the money that I'm spending on, on, you know, renting this apartment, it's money that can fuel my business. So I had to give that up and move back home, you know, with, with mom. And I've been living alone since I moved out to California at 21 years old. So not for nothing my mom is you know super cool super open-minded but it's kind of like a like an ego thing like dang of I have course. to move back home like and I'm tw- I was at probably I was yeah like when I moved back home I was 27 turning 28 like you know I still live at now to say I live at home again at 27 it was just like an ego killer in a way um I've been wanting to upgrade my car I've had the same car probably for like three four years and I was like let me hold off on that because I'm not gonna you know get into an expense more a more expensive car payment um also my relationship there was since I was working you know a lot from 7 to 1 a.m I didn't really have time for day nights and for doing those things so I kind of sacrifice date nights I sacrifice my my family time sacrifice you know my apartment at the beach and things that I really loved and wanted you know I made like a short-term sacrifices because I knew the long-term reward was going to pay off for me and I, or at that moment I was hoping that it, I was taking the chance in hopes that it would pay off for me so it hasn't I did have to give up a lot of the things that really did make me happy but were more nice to have they're more wants than needs at the moment so um at that point I was like I really want to create you know a business or or make this happen and have you know time freedom and create have my own schedule let my hustle determine my paycheck type of lifestyle and I was willing to give all that up in order to make this happen so it, it hasn't been easy um it it was you know it's like a big like a I don't know like a big hit on the chest because you're like no I don't want to give those things up but um it's part of the process um I I think it's important in sharing them I you know when I hear that I don't know that fuels me up because I think a lot of times there's like this perceived notion that the you know that the journey into entrepreneurship is like all dandy and rosy all the time but a lot of what people don't realize is a lot of the sacrifices that entrepreneurs make in order to be able to, you know, reap the rewards in the future, like you said. Correct. I mean, you know, there's all these, You, at least in my opinion, you have to cut down your personal expenses as much as you can, because if you're going to be growing your business, you can't be touching the money from your business to, you know, fund your vacation or fund your new car, especially at the very beginning. Right now, we're going through a very big growth phase that every dollar that we make, we put back into the business. And I haven't paid myself a dollar since we started because I want the money to fuel growth. And later when we're in a more comfortable place financially, then I can, I feel like I can, I'm in a place where I can collect the paycheck and I can't imagine, you know, taking money from all of our profits now to go pay rent on the beach or go pay, you know, a a more, you know, luxurious car just because I want, you know, luxury. And, you know, when my car right now is fine, it's functional, it gets me from point A to to B. So 
Um, I feel like that's also been very helpful in my growing so fast, you know, throughout my, my journey, because we haven't been picking at the profits, you know, as we continue to grow now, we're not buying 10, 20 necklaces at a time. We're buying 50, 100, 200 at a time. And where am I going to get the money to buy 200? I have to take it from my profit to reinvest it back in. Right. So. And I, it's interesting that you're like talking about numbers now, because I get the feeling that your background in finance has been very, you know, how, how would I say, has been very helpful in what you're doing right, right now. Is that correct? Oh, for sure. For sure. I feel very fortunate um, for my experience in corporate and finance because um, at the end of the day, as much as you want to be emotionally attached to your business and designs and packaging and all this creative side of things that come with the business, you always have to make sure that financially it makes sense because at the end of the day, if you're not making money, you know, there's no point in doing, you know, business. Yeah. I know a lot of people do it because they love it and they're passionate about it. But at the end of the day, we all have bills to pay. We all want to grow. We all want to invest in marketing. We all want to invest in a team. And I feel like my experience in finance has definitely helped me grow at the, at the pace that we have been um you know we're like a team of probably I would say like five at this point so um definitely I would say that my experience shortened my learning curve in entrepreneurship and has helped me um I would say like coordinate my finances better to reinvest back in the business and invest in the team who's helping me grow and get to the point that we are so far yeah absolutely I mean I and I always say in the podcast you know I've had people that are in finance that have come that I've interviewed on the podcast and there is no empowerment for women without financial empowerment. And sometimes I feel that a lot of people, like you said, they get caught up in the artistic side. And although that that might be the part that fuels you the most, you can't forget the numbers because if you forget the numbers, then your business doesn't thrive or you have to end up doing something else because it's not giving you the numbers that you actually need to stay afloat. Correct. I know I, I have a, I've made a few friends in like the small business community and sometimes I try to give them advice because I see like, you know, they spend so much money on a campaign and in marketing and packaging. But at the end of the day, you know, if your profit margin isn't right or you're not selling as much as you should be, you know, at the end of the day, you're negative. And then they wonder, they come for me to me for advice on, you know, how can they be positive instead of in the negative? So um, I think it's very, very important to be cost effective um, to analyze your numbers at least a minimum of once every two weeks and see where you are and, 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 and you know, use the reports, sit down with your bookkeeper and see where it is that you're spending money, what's working, what's not working. Because at the end of the day, in order for your business to continue to grow and stay healthy, your financials have to be healthy. So one thing I'm very grateful for is my experience in corporate, in finance and everything that I learned there. And I was able to um, transfer over to my business. And I feel like it definitely helped me and shorten my learning curve um, in this entrepreneurship journey by a lot. Nice, nice, very nice. Now, how would you describe, so since, since it's a podcast and we can't really, the people that are listening to us can't really see the jewelry as they listen to us, describe to them your type of jewelry. Like what's your, what's, what do you call your style? So we are in the fashion jewelry business. We are very 
everything is gold right now. We are just sticking to gold. I love gold. I feel like most of my followers, my market loves gold. 80% of our styles are water and tarnish resistant. So, you know, we're here in South Florida, in Miami. Um, I did, I do have both styles right now. But one thing that I always get from my clients is the question, hey, is it going to tarnish? Hey, is it going to turn green? Um, is it going to get ugly? You know, so I feel like that's so embarrassing for me to put out jewelry that's going to turn on somebody like that. So 80% of our styles are tarnish and water resistant. Um, looking into 2021, we do plan to be fully 100% of our styles to be made out of the same, very same material. But it's a very, I would say, fashion forward and like chic look. We're into it lately. We're into, at least personally, I'm very into like a lot of chunky styles, especially now for fall season. But we do make sure to carry both like chunky and dainty styles, long and short, um, so that everyone, you know, doesn't matter what um, size or style you're into, there's something for you here at the House of Jules Miami. And your Instagram, tell them where they can follow you on Instagram so they can see all your beautiful stuff. So my Instagram handle is um, at House of Jewels Miami. That's awesome. And tell us a little bit about for like the Christmas season, because I know listeners, you guys have Christmas shopping to do and you want to get some cool stuff for your family and friends. Um, where do they go? What's the website? And what are the things that are coming up now for the holidays? Yeah, so you can visit our website at www.houseofjewelsmiami.com. And something really cool um, that we have happening now for the holidays is we launched this mystery jewelry candle. So it's a two wick candle. We had them in three scents. We had pine, sweet peppermint, and a gingerbread scent. Right now, we sold out of pine and peppermint, but we still have gingerbread. And basically the mystery jewelry candle, you um, buy the candle, you enjoy the smell of it, you light it up. I, typically it takes around two to three hours for you to see something inside, right? And you're gonna um, let it burn until you see like a little piece of aluminum, right? And once you see that little piece, you have to pull it out with like tweezers or, you know, be careful because the wax is obviously very hot, but <laughs> you, pull, you pull that piece of aluminum out and it's a surprise piece of jewelry. It can be either a necklace, a bracelet, an anklet, earrings, um, not even, I know, I know what I put into all of them, but they all got mixed up at this point that I don't know which one has what, but they have a value of between 35 and $50. So, and they're only priced at 28. So imagine you're getting a piece of jewelry and a candle for $28 and it has a retail value of around like $50 between both. So that's something that we have that's seasonal. Um, we have now happening, um, for the holidays. Um, like I mentioned, um, the pine and peppermint sold out pretty fast. I think we sold out like within two hours and we still have some gingerbread left. So it makes a cute gift for like your secret Santa, any white elephant parties that you're going to a coworker or a cousin. Um, so definitely I would recommend checking those out. That's super fun. And if you guys want to comment on this episode, go to mamasconganas.com forward slash 61. I'm also going to be posting... Uh, her website on there and all the links to her social media to Jani's social media so stay tuned follow her because she's just going to keep on growing with her business that's right thank you for having me thank you so much Jani, for being on our show today 
Hey, it's Valentina. Espero te gustó este episodio de nuestro podcast. If you liked it, or if any of our content has inspired you in any way, I'd be ever so grateful if you showed some amorcito by reviewing us on iTunes or wherever you listen to us. Every single review will help us reach more mamacitas so they can live their life con muchas ganas. It's because of you, our listeners, that we're able to create contenido para otras Latinas. Un millón de gracias por suscribirte, escuchar y compartir nuestro podcast. Si tienen preguntas, comentarios y más, pueden visitar nuestra página web mamasconganas.com or follow us on social media at mamasconganas. You can also write me directly at info at mamasconganas.com. Hasta la próxima. Es Valentina recordándote, don't be a mama con drama. Mm -mm. Let's be mamas con ganas. Besitos.